It is Friday, April 21st, 2023, and welcome to episode 210 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. We're here once again today with TV superhero Jessica Jones. Okay, well, I mean, NSI's version of that TV superhero, Les Bunsen, and me, Jamil Jaffer. Yesterday, during a surprise visit to Kiev, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said that Ukraine's future is in NATO, his strongest statement on the relationship between Ukraine and NATO since the Russian invasion of Ukraine began nearly 14 months ago. While Stoltenberg made clear that this wasn't going to happen right away, that there was a lot of multi-year support that had to take place, um, and that it must prevail against against Russia first, he did make this very strong statement. At the same time, German foreign minister threw a little shade on this, saying that now wasn't the time to have these conversations. The U.S. hasn't taken a position yet. There are nine members of NATO, mostly Central European and Eastern European countries, that have made clear they support Ukraine's accession. Everybody else has remained suspiciously quiet. So our debate for today is, what are we doing about Ukraine and NATO? Is it coming in? Is it staying out? What should the U.S. position be? Jess, over to you. So I'm going to have to say that I'm with Germany on this one. Sorry, guys, I muted my, myself a little bit. So I'm I'm now on mute. You can all hear all of my wisdom. Um, I'm with Germany on this one. You know, the NATO foreign ministers met last week, and you saw resistance from Germany, Hungary, and, and really the U.S. when it comes to Ukraine joining NATO. There's a healthy debate, which I know we love here on the show. You know, I think that we have to keep the two the, the two issues separate, right? You, um, support to Ukraine during the conflict and NATO uh, NATO membership. They're two different things, right? And there is a formal process to joining NATO. It shouldn't be conflated. We shouldn't try to rush it. Like we're in the middle of a conflict. We don't need to fit, like feed into the Russian narrative that NATO is extending into their territory and is an existential threat to, to Russia. And so it doesn't feel like this is the right time to be making these statements, to be moving forward. Um, and it just seems like, why don't we wait on that while we continue assistance to Ukraine? I mean, I I'm going to mildly disagree with Jones here. I'm going to mildly disagree with Jones here and go ahead and say, I think it's fine to be talking about Ukraine joining NATO because by saying that, we're actually rejecting the Russian narrative. It's all too often we we hold back, we kind of self-censor because people have bought into this idea that somehow it's NATO's fault that Russia invaded Ukraine. That's the Russian line. It's total nonsense. It has nothing to do with reality. If Ukraine's going to qualify for NATO, it should join NATO. NATO is, uh, is a, is an organization that countries join voluntarily. No one is forced to join NATO. It's something that Ukraine should be, that Ukraine should have ambition to do. They should aspire to join NATO. That's a good thing. And if they're, uh, if they can demonstrate on the battlefield that they can defeat Russia, uh, then they're like way ahead of most NATO members already. I mean, look, I tend to agree with both I mean, of you, you in the sense have... that, in the sense that, look, I mean, Les is right that no, we shouldn't accede to the, I think Les is right that, you know, look, we shouldn't accede to the Russian line on this. At the same time, um, you know, I, I take Jess's point that, look, now is the time to be doing this. And frankly, Ukraine may never be ready to join NATO. They joined Partnership for Peace back in 1994. They've been footsing around with NATO. The fact of the matter is they have all sorts of massive corruption problems. I mean, having a stable democratic republic um, is the is the sort of the beginning point for being in NATO. And the Ukrainians just aren't there. I mean, let's be honest. And again, I'm a big fan of supporting Ukraine in all their efforts and pushing back on the Russians. But NATO membership, just because the Russians invaded them. I mean, I get Finland. I get Sweden, which, you know, Turkey's holding up. Uh, but Ukraine doesn't seem necessary. So uh, I tend to agree with less that we should we should push the Russian narrative, we can talk about it, but I don't think we really should mean it. And, and to Les's point, like it is a voluntary, um, you know, association and, and membership. So I think the question is, 
you know, what does the U.S. vision, what does the U.S. get out of it? So if, if you know, Ukraine wants to move forward, prove that they don't have the high levels of corruption that we all know they do. I mean, they had a huge, you know, um, corruption scandal earlier this year that made the headlines, you know, across the world. I, I just don't see the benefit to the U.S. right now in NATO making these, NATO leaders making these statements. Look, I think I think we need to be a little more grounded in what's happening in Ukraine right now. This is this is a transformational experience for the entire country. Uh, the the Ukraine that comes out of this conflict, and and yes, we're assuming that it goes well for Ukraine, which is a big leap, and we should all recognize that. But let's let's go ahead and hypothesize that Ukraine prevails here. Then Ukraine is a different country than before January twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. It will be transformed. The corruption issues. There may still be some, but there will be a new national sense of purpose and a new grounding in in the nature of the Ukrainian state and the Ukrainian people. And the division that we saw before be, between Russian speakers and non-Russian speakers in Ukraine is going to is going to be largely dissipated. And so so I think I think we need to recognize that this is. This is a movable feast here and it's moving in the right direction and we ought to be helping that. We ought to be rhetorically saying, and I agree amazingly with the Secretary General of NATO, let's go ahead and talk to them about NATO expansion and let's mean it because uh, the Ukraine that we're talking about today is very different than the Ukraine of a few months ago. I mean, that may be. Uh, Les, that- I mean, we just saw the we just saw the corruption scandal come out in January and you see a lot of Ukrainian citizens mad that this scandal happened in the middle of the conflict. So the idea that conflict just dissipates like this massive wave of unity is not dissipate corruption or ch- I, I don't it doesn't seem like that's played out. So I don't think that I, I don't buy that line. Uh, look, let's let's be clear. No country is corruption free. I don't excuse corruption at any level. Uh, we have corruption issues in our own country. Russia has massive corruption issues. Ukraine is a democracy. They've exchanged power peacefully through the ballot box. A number on a number of occasions, they've made a national decision that they want to be pointed towards the West. We should embrace them. Uh, they're not going to ever look like the United States. That's fine. They're going to be Ukraine. They're going to come in with with different terms. I think we should be embracing them. Well, that's a wrap. <laughs> Thanks to Brooke Khan and Rachel Domino from NSI and Claude Jennings for helping produce today's episode. Join us again Monday for another great episode of Fault Lines, the podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.